Hello, hello and welcome. It's Mark and we are back with Trucking Answers, the podcast where you get all the information only through your ear hole and that's the best way to do it. I want to thank you for being here today. I'm here with my co-host Gracie. She's very orange and very tired today apparently. So she's sleeping on my United Federation of Planets blanket. (laughs) That's good. She's a UFP member apparently. So that's pretty awesome. All right, we are in uh, still in 41 countries, but we're in all 50 states now. So all 50 states listed. And Texas is the most downloaded state. I think that's pretty interesting. It's a big state, so that makes sense. A lot of population there. Texas, most downloads in Texas. All states now represented. Thank you for all states for coming through. So I appreciate that. It's really amazing that you put out a podcast and suddenly people from everywhere are listening to it. Today we're going to have some trucking news, uh, some automotive news, and we're going to have another reason we do not live on Mars. Do you know why we don't live on Mars? Well, it's cold there, but we can terraform Mars, except we got to spend all of our money here supporting stupid idiot people that are doing dumb things that are taking up our tax dollars when it's questionable whether they should even be allowed to live on this planet, much less any other planet. So we'll get into that in a little bit. I want to wrap up a few things from the live show that I do every Monday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time on the YouTubes. So a number of people commented and we were talking about the liquid drops that I got as a kid at the school nurse, and I suggested that as a vaccine. And people were like, no, you don't get those or whatever. Well, I did more research into it and booyah, I feel vindicated. Those liquid drops were polio vaccine, which is what I thought. The early vaccine after in the late 50s and 60s was a shot, but later it became drops, liquid. Now, some people get that on a sugar cube, which is, uh, turns out, the not the best way to get it. The best way is to have the drops putting your mouth basically they're dropped in and the good thing about the liquid drops is they can be given to everyone they're still used around the world it's about 12 cents a dose and developing countries use the drops because it's easy you don't even have to be a trained person three drops and you got the vaccine i remember getting those at school and it was like a little vial that um, you broke open i think and they dropped it in your mouth it was pretty simple and that was in fact a polio vaccine pretty interesting that's when you can get stuff at school and they had a nurse at school and all that stuff. Now, today, there's no nurses at school. And even the nurse that's there is like an LPN or something. They're not an RN. And they're only there one day a week. They don't do any of this stuff at school. So, there you go. So, that was, in fact, a liquid polio vaccine. Pretty interesting. You look that up. There's still pictures of people being given it to this day as a liquid form, straight liquid right into you. So, that's pretty good because it gets absorbed in your intestines, apparently, and it works good that way. Now, I want to comment on this. I mean, oh my gosh, people, please let Betty White rest in peace. She's America's grandma. Everybody loves her. She may be one of the most loved people in the country, right? And we know she died on New Year's Eve, uh, 99 years old, almost made 100. And now people are coming out of the woodwork. Oh, she got the booster three days before that. And that's why she died. So boosters are bad. Please, I'm begging you. She was not political about any of this stuff. Don't drag her into your argument. You don't need to use other people. If you have a viewpoint, why do you have to say, well, look, all these other people just say, I'm not taking it. Stand up, get a backbone for maybe the first time in your life and stop trying to drag other people into your argument. All right. If you don't want it, don't take it. I got no problem with that. 
Okay, doesn't matter to me. Your body, your choice. Don't care. The government should never be allowed to force you to take something, which currently in this country, they're not. As far as I know, no one here is forced to take a vaccine. Now, you can argue, well, Mark, but people will lose their job. That is not force. That is a choice. All right. And so that's a different story to me. And no one loses their job if everyone stands together. That's the problem, isn't it? No one will stand with anyone else. They'll say, well, that's just it. Uh, you know, I'm out. So whatever. And, but, you know, here's the thing. If everybody walks out, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? Nothing. Nothing. But still, if your company says you have to get it, you can quit. All right. They already have dumb rules as it is, just like when everything else happens. When they went to automatics, people said, oh, I'm not going to drive one. All right. You don't have to. You can quit. But the company can have a policy where you're going to drive an automatic. And it's up to you if you want to do it. No one makes you get a job. You can actually work for yourself. That's what, uh, what's his face? Oh, Kevin O'Leary said that, right? I love that. He said, look, you don't have to work at Walmart. Why don't you make something and sell it to Walmart? <laughs> so, right. So you, you can always do, there's always another option. That's the thing of it. But please do not bring Betty White into your argument. If you can't stand up for yourself, then I don't know what to say. If you don't want to sit, take it, and that's your 100% decision, fine. So I'm not doing it. It doesn't matter what Betty White did. What matters is what you do. What do you want to do? I'm not going to take it. Okay, that's fair. I'm with you. I'm 100% with you on that. It should be totally your choice. And currently in the United States, it is your choice. So let's leave Betty White, who I consider to be America's grandma, a big friend of animals, by the way, uh, also, so, but she, did you ever hear her talking political about it? No. Okay. So let's let her rest in peace as she should and uh, go about our day. Ooh, 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 hang on a minute. Hang on. I forgot to mention this too. Okay. So the liquid polio, which is, was an early version of what they use now. Okay. They use, it's a little different now, but that one that we got, get this. Now think about this. There was a failure rate and around two to three people per million doses would become paralyzed, okay? You would basically get polio from it and would become paralyzed. What do you think about that? Now, think about that. Does that mean you shouldn't get the vaccine? I don't know. I'm asking you. I'm not saying either way. So that was your chance. Two to three of you are going to be fully paralyzed after you get it. Should you get it? Would you get it? Don't you be my neighbor. Wait a minute. Oh, that's a different song. Seriously, though, that was the problem with it. Now they've adjusted it, and we don't have as many problems. And is that a lot of problems? I don't know. I don't know how many people how many people died otherwise. This is a kind of a Spock thing, right? Needs of the many away the needs of the few thing. You'd have to decide that. Back then, basically everybody got it. I will say that it wasn't like a big issue that I remember. I mean, it's not like my parents ever said we're not going to do it or whatever. But uh, that was the failure rate. So you got to think. You know, a couple, two, three people out of every million doses are going to become paralyzed from that. So do you go get it? Consider that in light of what is happening today and, uh, you know, the rates of whatever's going on with whatever you're thinking about now. And you'd have to really think about that. But that was the rate for those liquid, for the drops that you got in your mouth at school. <laughs> you used to get that stuff at school. 
Enough of those shenanigans. Let's get into this shenanigans, which is I-95 here. Here in the last day, I-95 in Virginia is closed in both directions for around 50 miles, and there's a bunch of people stuck because there's a big, gigantic winter storm, which I knew about here. There was an accident of what? Six trucks. No cars. Six trucks tangled up. Why are we following so close? Why are we out in this weather? Okay, in the weather that they're having there today, uh, 27 here and sunny in beautiful world headquarters, Lafayette, Indiana, where we cover the world from. But they're basically a gigantic winter storm, one of the biggest storms in years. And there are still people out driving. Why are trucks driving in this? Why are you not parked? This is a problem of the industry of paying people by the mile. And then if they actually have to park because of weather, you don't pay them. Companies should be as, as liable as the drivers in this kind of situation because they're the ones that are making you choose to go out there. And this is the other thing that we talked about on the live show, which is when you have a conviction, you're like, I'm not going to do this or I refuse this. You have to have something to back it up like money. So what happens is drivers are like, well, I have to go because I need the money or my company's making me, which they cannot do. Remember that. The company can scream, froth around, flop on the ground like a dead fish or whatever. They can't make you leave. We're going to fire you. Fine. You know, I would do all this in writing. It's unsafe. Be sure to put that in there. The conditions are unsafe. And uh, you don't have to. You could take a screenshot of the weather, but you can always go back. I forget the name of the site. You can go back on a date and a city and it'll give you the weather so that you can do that kind of stuff is easy to get. Either way. Be sure to tell them it's unsafe and uh, ask them, are you forcing me to drive in an unsafe condition? That's what you write back to a company. All right. Now, the problem is they're, oh, well, no, well, no, you can sit or whatever, but then they're not going to pay you. So, uh, you know, I would recommend not working at a place that doesn't pay you. And I will tell you where I get, where I work here, you know, there have been days, it's been a couple of years now when it's been really bad, but there was a couple days. Well, in fact, one day last winter, it was bad before I went to work. It had started snowing like at nine in the morning. And by the time I was going in, snow had piled up everywhere. Roads were closed, you know, red on the map and everything. And I'm like, no, I'm not coming in today. I got paid. Okay, I got a day's pay. I got my pay for that day, even though I didn't work at all. I was at home watching TV with the wife, getting paid. Because the idea here is that if it's so bad, they don't want you driving because the liability is a problem. You could get in an accident. I mean, it could cost millions of dollars. So what they do on those situations is they pay you. They just pay. You. Now, if you abuse that, I don't know what happens. Like today, I call and I go, it's sunny. The sun's in my eyes. I'm not going to work. It's unsafe. I don't know about that. <laughs> right? I think you'd have a tough time arguing that. But when it's really bad and uh, they pay you, I've never had any problems with it. And most people that do write to me don't have any problems. Companies are like, yeah, you can park. If you say it's unsafe, you can park. But I think you ought to be paid because when companies don't pay you, then you have a choice to make. Am I going to lose two, three, however much you make, $500 a day, right? Owner operator, maybe $1,000. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's well, I guess an owner operator, that's different because you're running a business. So you take a risk and you only get a profit. You don't get a paycheck. An employee, different story. I'm out doing the work for you. So you need to pay me while I'm out doing it. That's been my opinion for some time. And uh, that remains my opinion. But this accident, no excuse for an accident. You should, if you cannot stop people in front of you, no matter what is happening, I don't care if you're on the highway or whatever. If you can't stop, if something happens in front of you, you're too close. Simple as that. Every one of those drivers should be given a ticket. 
at least for following too close and driving too fast for conditions. All right. And make that ticket stick because we need people who are willing to say, I'm not going in the bad weather and you can't make me and I'm parked, period. I don't care. You can gripe at me or whatever. And I don't care. I'm not doing it. So that's the story at I-95. I think, look, park it. Just park it. There have been people sitting out there for 17 hours as of a little bit ago. And I think that's crazy. People are griping on social media, of course, right? Oh, we don't have any food. I will tell you this. You can live 17 hours without food, without dying. Most of most of us could probably live 17 days without dying, without food. All right. You can really, you could probably go two months, but I think that you could certainly live 17 hours without having food shoved in your pie hole. All right. So people, they shouldn't be griping about that. And I know somebody's writing right now, getting their keyboard ready. Mark. Some people have a medical condition and they have to eat every 2.7 hours or they will die. All right, look, if you have a medical condition that requires you to eat regularly, you know, to maintain blood sugar or whatever it is, you should have food with you in your truck or in your car. If I had to do that, I would have a couple of packs probably of, you know, power bars or whatever it is, you know, the correct bars for me. Uh, to, and I'd have them in there all the time. And when they start to get close to expiring, I'd start eating them and put another pack in there. I would. I don't know why people don't do that. In the truck in the wintertime, I had a week's worth of food in the truck all the time in case I got stuck somewhere. How people go around their whole life not prepared for any kind of eventuality, it just amazes me to no end. At the pandemic, when the when all that began and you couldn't get to the stores or whatever, and there was no, people like, oh, my God, if I don't get to the store, I'm, do you not have anything in your house? I could easily close my door and not leave for a month easily, probably two months by spacing it out without having to go buy anything. Get prepared. Even my short time at Boy Scouts, I learned be prepared, and you should always be prepared for stuff. If you're stuck in a storm, by the way, you have plenty of water. Some people were griping they didn't have any water. They, they look out the window of their car. There's water everywhere. No, they don't have a cup. Why not? Why not? Why don't you have something in your car? You have a plastic bag in there? You know, we have, you know, I probably have 25 plastic bags uh, in the back of the escape in case we need to bag something up. You can put snow in those and put them inside your car and it melts into water. Okay, just for people that don't know that, snow is water. All right, now, Mark, I mean, Mark, will you fill a bag up? It doesn't have much water. Well, you got all day. Just keep filling bags up and melting them in your car. I'm just saying, be a little more prepared than you are if you're going out. And if you have a medical condition that requires something, you should never leave home without the things that you are going to need for possibly extended stay. Especially in the weather. I knew about it. So you're going to go, oh, let's go out in a gigantic blizzard. I'm sure we'll be fine. You know, come on. Come on, people. Be prepared for stuff. Oh, my gosh. So did you see this from Too Simple? They went from a rail yard in Tucson to a distribution center in Phoenix, including surface streets and the interstate. I will say it's at night. No one on the truck. No one. A little 80 miles. Okay. Nobody in the truck. Now, I would say that's probably because the truck is an international and even probably robots don't like driving it, much less people. So that could be part of the reason they have to do that, because what person are they going to get to drive an international because they stink? All right. That's just a personal thing for me. But I think it's interesting. <laughs> they and you can go online and search. They put the dash cam video of the truck up the whole video. You can watch the truck interact with other vehicles. 
uh, drive smoothly, surface streets, all the way to distribution. Now somebody has to hook the truck up and everything, but we can get somebody to do that at really low cost, couldn't we? If you just hooked up trucks all day, they wouldn't have to pay you driver salary to do that. Interesting, interesting. And this truck, remember, could go back and forth like this 24 hours a day. It doesn't need a break. It doesn't need anything. It just works back and forth. This is the beginning of the future, and I am all for it, right? I love uh, futuristic you know, technology. I'm all in for it. This is what's coming. Now, it's still a ways from being commercially viable, and they had to get a bunch of permits from the DOT, Arizona DOT, and law enforcement worked with them, but there's nobody in the truck. There, and there's cameras all over the truck, they, which they post pictures of it to show you how it works. Pretty interesting. This is the future of trucking. So are you ready to go local yet? Because that's going to be the last jobs that are taken over. I will say, look, even though we talk about that, it's a long time before there's any kind of numbers of these things to take over any kind of amount of trucking. So it's not like anybody should be concerned. And I think people starting trucking today can still have a full career in trucking without any problem. But someday, someday we can hope for trucks to take out the time where people are not home with their families, when they're not home, you know, doing the stuff that they want to do. It's just the the thing that should happen in there. And like the guy, Lou, his name, that's his last name. The CEO at Too Simple said, you know, this, it takes away driver's humanity when they're not gone. It, you become just an item, just a thing. You're uh, basically an end user, right? kind of like the truck. And that's how we're treated, certainly. And so if we can get rid of that part of trucking, I think we can make a big difference in how drivers uh, get paid and how often they get home. So over at Buick, they have re-upped their trademark on the Electra name. Remember Electras? What you don't know about old Mark here is I had a 1978 Buick Electra estate. Estates in the United States, of course, are wagons. And I really like that car. That car had a 403 Oldsmobile engine, which is the 6.6 from the Trans Am. That's correct. Same engine, three-speed automatic. Very common in GM cars of the day. That engine had 185 horsepower new, right out of 403 cubic inches. Nice. Uh, it had good torque, all right, so it had a lot of power. Relatively slow car, right, uh, per the day today. Huge. Nine seats. I had a flip-up seat in the back. Very luxurious. The big tufted, poofy seats or whatever. Great. So they were made Electras to the 90s. Probably 1990 or so was the last year for Electras right in there. And, the, of course, then they changed the name to Roadmaster a little bit later than that. But uh, they made Electras for many years. Many of them were sedans. But I had the Electra Estate, which was the sedan in a wagon form. That Electra might be coming back. Where, though? China. Why? Buick sells a lot of cars in China. It's like a luxury brand there. Here, it's like an SUV brand. All right? And it's like all there are is rebadged GM products, uh, you know, from Chevy mostly that they stick a little bit of chrome on. And uh, they leave the left turn signal on so old people can buy them. And they go, oh, it's already got the left turn signal on in advance. I mean, that's who else is buying a Buick? All right, you know, the last decent Buick Grand National. I mean, it's been some time since we had a good Buick uh, coming out of Buick land there. I don't know, Regal GS maybe was pretty nice. 
Otherwise, you know, Buick's just a standard, stodgy old man's car with the sweep speedometer on them, and uh, that's how I view them anyways. They tried to, you know, up themselves here a little bit, but it just never really went anywhere. Disappointing because they stopped making cars, and so it's all SUVs, and it'll be in China. The, the Electra is, might be an electric car, but they said, you know, it's probably going to be in China only. People there love them. You know, they're chauffeured around in them. True story. So Buicks are like a high-end brand there, but here I consider them, you know, a low-end brand. One of them, that small one, whose name I cannot think of at the moment, I'm looking at Gracie, but she's not being much help. It's made in China, and it's brought here, so it has a low rating, surprisingly, right? Imagine that. So, and did you see this picture of this guy with this Bronco? Okay, this full-size Bronco, I just got to say that because people confuse that in the sport. Full-size Bronco, now he does live in Tayuktuk, um, Canada northwest territories right so he's way up there close to the arctic circle i guess he left his bronco hardtop bronco out while he went on a trip he comes back a few days later it snowed the thing is covered with snow <laughs> inside all right inside and he says look this all leaked in because the top doesn't fit tight on the car because the hardtop is removable okay it's a removable hardtop which seems cool when it's 80 degrees out. The thing is, they had a lot of problems with this top when they first made it. They've had to recall every single one of them to fit the top better, and they had a lot of problems with this top. And the way the snow is in these pictures in this car, it blew in from holes in the top and coated the whole inside of the car with snow, probably an inch or two of snow and ice inside the whole thing. Oh, my God. I'd so take that back. What are you going to do? I mean, I guess you can brush it out of there, whatever, but the snow's going to be in the electronics and, you know, it's going to get done in the dash vents. I think it's a real problem. You do not want that kind of moisture inside the vehicle. It isn't any good for it. And if you have the cloth seats, uh, forget it. Uh, you know, you can't do anything to get every bit of snow out of this. You'll have to vacuum it up. We'd have to have a talk at Ford about that. This is the problem, folks. Any car any manufacturer i don't care what it is do not buy the first year of it don't okay maybe cool i love it it's so cool i'm gonna be cool i'm gonna be the cool kid don't buy the first year of anything do not buy the first year and this is a problem these tops on these broncos have been a problem so i don't know why people are buying it you got to let them figure this stuff out ford is a poor reputation on first year stuff they had to do the same thing on the explorer when they redid the explorer they had to bring all of those back in they have a lot of problems on this stuff. The Bronco Sport, the small one, I don't know how many recalls it had on its first year. The three-cylinder been recalled. There have just been a lot of problems. So they're not the greatest at first year, but no manufacturer does great on their first year. This is certainly unacceptable. You should be able to sit your car out in a snowstorm, and when you get in the car, the snow is not entered into your passenger compartment like this thing. Oh, my gosh, the snow that was in this thing. And these are $50,000-plus. It's not like these are 10000 although that's really no excuse. A new car should at least be sealed from the elements. It's not like it's a Freightliner where we expect them to leak. This thing has just been leaking all over the place. Super terrible. In case you're going to the Mecham auction anytime soon, a car is coming up for sale that you should absolutely buy and let me ride with you in. Oldsmobile Intrigue 442. What? It's a 99 Here's the thing. They never built an Oldsmobile Intrigue 442, but General Motors did build one. This is a factory-built car for SEMA. 
the Specialty Equipment Marketing Association, right? Manufacturing Association. So there's a SEMA show every year, and big manufacturers bring their stuff out there. They built an Intrigue 442. Now, a few years later, Oldsmobile closed, as we know that, and uh, never to be again. But they built an Intrigue 442. And the thing that makes it intriguing is that this car has a North Star at 550 horsepower in it. <laughs> That's right. Remember the Oldsmobile Intrigue? Imagine stuffing a 550 horsepower V8 in it from your buddies over at Cadillac. Now, I cannot imagine the torque steer that this car would have being as they left it front drive. This car with that kind of power needs all-wheel drive, but they weren't really doing that in sedans then. It's white and gold, uh, so it looks like a Hurst Olds, really. It's got the badging and stripes and everything that you need from the late 90s. The wheels look like they're 20 years old as well, which they are. I'll tell you what. There's really not a lot of information about the car other than that. This is an amazing find. I don't know what it will go for. Six digits for sure. But I know one of you out there, you got the money. You got the time. Go get this car. Invite me for a ride. We'll do a video. It's going to be epic and awesome. It doesn't have that many miles on it, I can imagine, as well. If it just went to SEMA shows, they transport these things around on a truck. It's not like somebody drove this car all this time. I don't even know how it would be registered. Probably just as an intrigue. An Oldsmobile Intrigue. That's probably what it would be plated as. So even your insurance agent would be happy about that. He would have no idea that this is a special car, although you're going to have to go get probably what is called stated value insurance because all they're going to insure it as is an Intrigue. It wouldn't have its own VIN or anything for this car. So your insurance agent, if it gets wrecked, is going to give you, uh, you know, book value of a, you know, a, two-decade-old Oldsmobile Intrigue, you know, so you're going to get a check for $2,300. You're going to have to go and talk to them, which they have stated value insurance. You take it to the insurance agent. They look it over. They have people, they're into people look it over, and you decide on a price. And so they go, all right, this car is worth $80,000. Okay, so that's what you pay for insurance, but then if it gets wrecked, that's what you get from the insurance company, stated value insurance. They don't do anything. They don't try to fix it. They go, here's your $80,000, that kind of thing. That's how you insure all classic cars, really. You have to go get stated value insurance because book is never enough on the cars. Stated value. I think this would be a great car. I'm waiting for one of you to go to buy it. Please let me know. Mark at TruckingAnswersNation.com. Where you are, I'll come to you, and uh, we'll take this car for a spin. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's time we go to Texas. There's a dude in Texas. I don't know if you know about this. He's in a dank cinder block basement apartment he's sitting on a metal folding chair and he has a card table in front of him he doesn't have a tv set and that's part of this guy's problem he's like you know what my life it's just not going great what do the what do dudes need all the time like this guy money where do they usually get it women okay so stop dating these guys uh to women that listen but this guy's like, look, I'm not going to go that route. I have more dignity than that, than to mooch off some woman to support me. So he says, look, what I can do is get money myself. So what he does, and I didn't say where he got this, but he takes a check and writes it out to himself and goes to the bank to cash it. And he's like, Bingo, this is brillante. Okay, that's a little bit of foreign language for those of you, so I'm trying to high-class the place here. And they go and look at the check, but they go, hmm, to this dude. 
we don't have that kind of money. It's going to take a few minutes for us to get $360 billion together to give you. So if you can just wait over there while we go to the safe. And so this guy's like, I got it made now. But they call the police instead of getting his $360 billion on the check in small bills for him. And the police show up amazingly and arrest him for forging a note and, uh, you know, among other things that he did. It turns out the check was fake. Oh, who knew? Who knew? You would think you could just walk into a bank and hand them an instrument and they give you $360 billion. By the way, I did a little research and a little public school math to find out how much would $360 billion weigh in $100 bills? Because that's the biggest bill you're going to be able to get at the bank. Certainly, even if they could get you a $500, there are some $1,000 bills. You cannot spend them anywhere. It's not like you can present a $1,000 bill. So in $100 bills, what do you think that weighs? Do, 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 the Jeopardy music? Okay, enough of that. I will tell you, it weighs approximately 7.9 million pounds. All right. $360 billion in 100s would weigh approximately 7.9 million pounds. All right. What do you think about that? So not a, another problem, right? Say they had 8 million pounds of money in the back. How do you get it home? I guess we hadn't thought that far ahead. Maybe you could just deposit it and start an account, you know, like a Christmas club account or something like that. Either way, he did not get his money, but did get a free ride to jail. I'm surprised this didn't work. You know, some of these I'm like, oh, this is stupid. But you think this, this one, I'm like, yeah, this is going to work. They're probably going to go in the back and bring him $360 billion. And they can move out. He could move out of his cinder block apartment, but it didn't happen. He went to jail, and so now we have to support this guy with some of our three hundred sixty billion dollars of tax money, instead of putting that money to a rocket that can send us to Mars. So that's another reason we are never going to live on Mars because of idiot, stupid people like this. Hopefully, women never talk to this guy, and he doesn't reproduce. That's always my hope for all of these people. It's my hope for the future uh, as the stars shine bright. So I want to thank everybody for listening today to the podcast. If you have any other missives to send to me, it's Mark at TruckingAnswersNation.com. And the podcast goes out every Tuesday, Friday, weather permitting. So you can get it on your favorite podcasting thing. And uh, don't forget about YouTube. All right. So we do a lot of videos over there. A lot of fun there. Anything you want to do, let me know. And we will be back soon with another podcast.